All right, everybody, welcome back to The Chase Ascendancy, episode 31. Today, we're just cutting straight to the nitty gritty. Today, we are kicking it with Kanja Club. The Chase? <laughs> the Chase with no T. This isn't about not having sex. <laughs> Chastity. <laughs> All right. We're kicking it with Kanja Club today. Uh, not specifically about Kanja Club, but not we are specifically. talking anything and everything Star Wars crime syndicates. Yeah. I have a dear, dear friend who recommended we do a previous episode, but I'm pretty sure they haven't seen that one yet. I told you not so to give him a shout you, out. I'm not going to say his name. Voldemort. You know who you are, but one of my good friends gave us the idea. We were going to talk about something else this week, but it fell through. Fell through our fingers just like whatever Vader was trying to grip, I guess Tarkin was ever trying to grab onto that, you know, just right. slipping through so his fingers. Right, so we were... We were trying to do a reaction to Mando season two. Didn't the Mandalorian happen. season two never dropped trailer, and um, what's strange is I've been hearing not just from one or two people like it was on all over the internet. Yeah, you know, and of course Disney owns ESPN and ABC, so they were like, "Hey, it all made sense during this game That's or such this a game." Disney move halftime halftime commercial. Right, right, and in the past. Someone like Mark Hamill will say, if I were you for no reason, I'd be watching Monday Night Football on ESPN this right. coming Monday. But nobody's done that. So there hasn't been any kind of confirmation, which I thought was suspicious. Yeah, we should um, be watching John Favreau's Twitter. So, who knows? I mean, I've been checking I've been checking people's Twitters. I've been checking Star Wars Twitter. I've been checking Star Wars YouTube, everything. And, and uh, all signs are quiet on their front. Anyways, yeah. so we didn't get to do that. But uh, we had this lined up. Ready to go. Yep. So, real quick news. Uh, yeah, a couple of newsies. I got one. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I have seen that it's confirmed that the Kenobi series is only going to be one season. I knew it was so going to be one season. Only, I was disappointed. It, it's going to be like four to six episodes. That it's it not was going to be very much. Yeah, but I have also heard that the four episodes to six episodes are going to be an hour each. So it's not going to be like you know. Wasn't Mandalorian like 20 minutes an episode? They were ridiculous? different lengths. Some of them were like 40 minutes. Some of them were like 20 minutes. Right. So we're looking Which at... Which was cool, but also it sucked. Like they did it as long as they needed to, but right. also sometimes the 20 minute episodes, I was like, I want more! Right. More! And I know I shouldn't. Um, I so should. My, I my hope is uh, six episodes, an hour each. That'd be you know, and at the end of the day, I know I want it to be more episodes and I want more seasons, but I know that we're in a very limited time frame yeah. with what he's doing. But think about it this way. It went from a movie to a show from two and a half hours at the most to four hours at the least. Yeah. So we're getting at minimum an hour and a half more of Obi-Wan, which is what we want. Yeah. Um, Still. On the book front, we've talked about, uh, you know, Thrawn. The, the Ascendancy Trilogy, I, mean, I know we've talked about it multiple times. We posted about coming it, up hot, but though. September 1st, it's coming out. September 1st is going to be a great day for a lot of reasons, but yes. that's one of them. September 1st is coming out, um, and Del Rey, not Del Rey? Yeah. It's different because there's Star Wars books and there's Del Rey Publishing, and they both have a Star Wars license, and I'm not sure which one's doing this, but I believe it's Del Rey confirmed that because it was pushed back for a couple of months, they were able to, for the first editions, so the first run, which should be completely accessible, that's still tens of thousands of books, but they will have blue-tipped pages and different which accents cool. throughout the book, and that'll only be on the first editions. 
Pretty cool. So, so pretty neat. Um, if they're not already sold out, you can manage to find a copy. Go ahead and snag one because they're yeah. going to be gone. Well, yeah, just go to your barnesandnoble.com or Amazon or something like that and pre-order it, and you should get a first edition. Um, and then on the toy front of things, Star Wars just did their Fan Friday uh, with Hasbro, and uh, they revealed, you know, it was rumored, but they finally revealed the Revan Force FX lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's super dope, and uh, you have the hilt, of course, and then you have the blade, and it's, I think you can take the blade out so you can just display the hilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the blade can glow both blue, or I'm sorry, both purple and red. So this only you're getting right. a two for one. Yeah. Um, they also revealed the first ever, this has never been made before, Darth Sidious lightsaber, Force Effects. Um, and this one's really cool, my I friend. Remember when the Darth Maul Force Effects lightsaber was by the checkout line at Borders for like forever, and I would look at it and like just a little bit of trouble mm. would. It's so good. Dribble out the corner of my mouth. Yeah, because that handles like this. Yeah, it was. It was. I but um, the Palpatine. The cool thing is about Palpatines is it's it has um, the when you turn it on, it can go. You know, it's on, mm-hmm. or it can have the dramatic. I don't oh, know how it it's works. It's treason then. But you could do like a. I've slow. always wondered about that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just the the user's emotions. I don't know. Lightsabers definitely have a closer connection to the user than we understand, um, and maybe that's a future episode. Uh, but they also have Sith, I mean, a uh, Sith lightning effect. So you can hit a certain button and it looks like he's, like Sith lightning is in the blade. Mm-hmm. I know that's ne- not necessarily what he does, but it's a cool effect for Palpatine. And they, this was a really cool touch. This Little things like this I really appreciate as a, you know, collector of Star Wars memorabilia. They have two emitters. So you have the one that you put on the blade if you're going to have, or the, on the handle if you're going to have the blade mm-hmm. coming out. And that's got the bigger, you know, hole for the blade to come through. Right. Or for a film realistic look, yeah, they, closed in. they have the, it's not just closed, but it's just a smaller emitter. Yeah. So it, it's, it looks more realistic. So that's really cool. Um, they revealed all kinds of, uh, not all kinds, but a few Black Series things that are coming out. And uh, for the three and three quarter inch figure, which is the, the old school sta- uh, scale, they have a vintage collection Tanta V4 playset, cool. the hallway um, so Tanta V4, if you don't know, is the very first ship we see the inside of in Star mm-hmm. Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Princess Leia's mm-hmm. little escape ship. Also, make, can I just talk? Sorry. Gosh. That's, they would know now what it is. I just told them what it was. But just in uh, case. Also makes a feature at the end of Rogue One. Right. So. so it's cool because the front side, obviously, is that hallway where the stormtroopers bust through the door and they murk yeah. those rebels. By, yeah, by the way, I was recently watching A New Hope and I was like, say what you will about stormtroopers. Those rebel troopers got fricked to death. <laughs> Just absolutely ruined. Right. So the cool thing is you have the front side, which is that hallway. And then on the back side of the display is kind of the staggered um, walls that le- it's... It's basically replicating the scene where Leia is putting her information into R2-D2 to send that message to Obi-Wan. So if you were to get two sets, you can put them side by side and make it look like those hallways or side by side in the front and give it the tunnel. It's just, it's very cool. You can get two or three or four of them and create different scenes, which they showed. Pretty cool. Um, Those are all the major things as far as the the toy reveals from Hasbro. Um, there is going to be what's called a HasLab project. So the last HasLab project was Java Sail Barge. And it was a crowdfunded, like, hey, we're only going to make as many as are ordered. It was $500 for Java Sail Barge. Um, great investment because as soon as they got out, dude, they were like 1500 bucks. 
So at any given moment, I just have a down payment for a car just sitting in my Star Wars room. Um, but they said that, uh, I can't remember what the date is, but they're going to announce their next project soon, maybe September or something. Um, my guess is the Razor Crest from The Mandalorian. That'd be cool. It would be cool, but I have like a long list of things that I would prefer before it. Yeah, but the Razor Crest is hot. But the Razor Crest is spicy. Yeah. And the Mandalorian Mando 2 coming up. Mandalorian yep. Season 2 is coming out. That's a crowd pleaser. Uh, uh, also, Kathleen Kennedy... All right, we're jumping in. Kathleen Kennedy said that they're going to back away from um, George Lucas's saga, and I'll take it, take it all in before they move forward with next movie projects. So I think she's kind of finally feeling the weight of... The world that George created is much harder to live in than what they originally thought when Disney bought Lucasfilm. And so they're realizing it's a big deal. They're going to take a step back, get their thoughts in order before they move forward with any other future projects. So we'll see what that means for the future of Star Wars movies. Yes. So today, I guess we're recording a little bit behind. So it's the 23rd of August, which Kobe Bryant's would have been his 42nd birthday today. So happy belated by the time this comes out. We miss you. Man. It sucks because I want to root for the Lakers to win this year to honor Kobe. But I also am rooting hardcore for the Rockets. So next round's going to suck. All right. It's already going to suck because... Our tallest guy is like as tall as this microphone, and they have Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee in their starting lineup. That's enough basketball talk for now. Uh, so the crime syndicates of Star Wars. It's an interesting thing because it's not very prevalent in the original trilogy. But looking into the universe you know, now, it is, it's a and massive it thing. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, there are definitely things happening, and we really only see the surface of it with Jabba, mm-hmm. who we're not going to talk about as much because in our 28th episode... Uh, Slimy pieces of more written, written filth. filth. Right. We talked about the huts uh, on mass. Yeah. So. so if you haven't checked out that video, uh, we're gonna put some kind of a tag or a link in the video and uh, click on that. And that episode is all about. Yeah. If you're just thirsty the huts. for more crime syndicate talk after the end of this episode, <laughs> you know you can get some more there. If you need to itch that scratch, or mm-hmm. scratch that itch, or scratch it? the itch. It just loves scratches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, just be scratching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the cool thing is, yeah, you see the surface of things, and I guess it does have to do with Jabba and Boba Fett and Cloud City and Tatooine and Return of the Jedi. But really, that has—that's a personal Jabba's pissed off at Han thing. Mm-hmm. There, you never really in the original trilogy deal too much with crime syndicates right not like you do in the prequels and especially not in clone wars and especially not in yeah what's interesting is that luke grew up believing that his dad was a navigator on a spice freighter Uh which he would have just thought his dad was 
A drug dealer. Yeah, a drug dealer. <laughs> a drug and runner. That's, and that's what he was talking to Dag of Obi-Wan about. He was like, my dad ran drugs. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't honorable. He, he was no hero. Um, which is interesting because, you to bring that up, you have crime syndicates, mm-hmm. the groups, the mafia, if you will... And then because there's intergalactic travel, you have smugglers. Little little private enterprises. Yeah, and it's interesting because today we're not focusing on smugglers. Mm -hmm. We're focusing on crime syndicates. We're talking about the people who are breaking the law, not the mules. Yeah, the Heisenbergs, not the Jessies. Exactly. Jesse! I should have known not to leave the... to tell you not to leave the Keith Nation for the entire two days! I know the next line. I won't say it. (laughs) I wanted to leave it on the counter! And then you know Jesse's, you know, <laughs> nice. It just love scratches. Um, so that's the thing is that Job of the Hut is the first on-screen appearance of a crime syndicate crime lord, but we never really know the extent of Jabba's reach. Um, there's that one little line in uh, Empire Strikes Back where they're on Hoth, and he's like, "Hey, I gotta get out of here because there's a price on my head." And first of all. Was anyone in 1980 sitting in the theater going, what about all that cash you just got from Yavin? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, uh, there's material there's now. There's an answer for it yep. in the novel Scoundrels. Uh, Han's very embarrassed, and he didn't want to tell anybody because his payoff that he got in A New Hope was stolen by pirates Like as soon as he left Yavin. So. Which is funny because he's kind of a scoundrel. He's the he's supposed to be the thieving guy. Yeah, and he gets, he gets thieved. He's kind of bad at being a bad guy, if you think about it. And then at the same time, he's so, so good. He's so smooth, but you think about it, like, when we meet him, he just crapped his pants and dropped out, like, oh, yeah. For millions him, of dollars the of reward spice. is definitely not worth the risk most of the time, I feel mm-hmm. like. he's mm-hmm. If he has a chance between, like, taking an absolute risk for some cash or saving his biscuits, <laughs> he's taking a side of honey, if you know what I mean. Saving those biscuits. <laughs> oh my god! So you have the huts. Um, you know about Jabba, but really we kind of feel like he's kind of his own thing. Mm-hmm. And there's that one little line from Empire where he says, "I got to get out of here because we ran into some bounty hunters on Ord Mantell." And uh, the guy he's talking to says, "I understand, Solo. A death mark's not an easy thing to live with." And so you realize, okay, so Jabba's hand does extend past Tatooine. Yeah. There's bounty hunters all over the place looking for him. Yeah. So you kind of get the weight of who Jabba is a little bit there. But still, even yeah. in Return of the well, Jedi, it's like when you he's got just the a extra big scene, fat guy in his house. Yeah, when you got the extra scene in A New Hope as well, he talks about, you know, I'll make the price so big that nobody would pass it up, that you wouldn't be able to go near a civilized world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so it's clear that he has a little bit of influence. A little muscle. Um, so, uh, as Star Wars aged... The story of Star Wars and the universe of Star Wars expanded. That's kind of what, what I was saying before the, the title uh, theme came on is that Kathleen Kennedy, I think is I think they're realizing that they have not done they have not put their best foot forward yet with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so they're I think they're realizing Imagine they're on the edge of, you know, they can break through and do really great things. Or if they make one or two more movies that are controversial, they could yeah. really let this thing spiral out of control, and they could really just what, imagine kill like Star Wars. Finishing a series by <sighs> Picasso himself, or like Beethoven mm-hmm. wrote the score for the first six, and then we've got you know me doing the last three. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just somebody had somebody with a brilliant mind had a vision, 
and somebody else was tasked with carrying it out. Right. You know what I mean? That's and I very think that's difficult. the reason that Clone Wars and The Mandalorian have been so successful with Star Wars fans pretty much overall is because you have the Dave Filoni's and the John Favreau's mm-hmm. who carry some of that George Lucas I've DNA. I've been in the fight since they were six years old. I've been in the fight since I was six years old. Suddenly Star Wars is real to you. And it's interesting because Kathleen Kennedy, you know, people who I, I don't really have a, a feeling towards her one way or the other, but people who really defend Kathleen Kennedy are like, you know, she's been around. But I think that she only became onto the Star Wars scene. She helped on Indi- on uh, she helped on uh, Indiana Jones, and she may have been around for well, that's Jedi. That's what you're about to say, but I didn't believe that you forgot the words Indiana Jones, so I was like, he'll get it. Yeah, I got it. I came back around. Um, but she um, she talked about. I came around when the three main movies were established and we knew that George had an idea for nine and I wanted to be around to finish those. And so, of course, he did one, two, and three. And I really felt feel like George Lucas wanted to do seven, eight, and nine, but he was so mm-hmm. exhausted after all the backlash from one, two, and three. Also, they offered him upwards of $4 billion. Yeah, but he didn't care about that. I care about that. I... I George is I know George is a strange dude. He is he's kind of beyond that. He I know, he but donated even for like people who don't care about money. It's four billion. I know, but I think he donated all of it. All of it. I really think so. You the could look it up. The world's problems would be solved by now. <laughs> four billion. Four billion I think, dollars. I really think if you would look, maybe I don't know, look it up. But I think that he ended up donating like I'm talking the vast majority of that four billion dollars. Yeah, what a tax break. But uh, even if you don't. Oh, you donate a bunch of four billion dollars. That's so much money. Yeah, yeah that's left true. Over, you know that's I mean? true. But I think he has even so if much... he donated three billion dollars, which I is know, a lot of money, he but still think... has one billion dollars. Right. But I think that he was already in that's that. That's a thousand million. He's already in that group. That's of a lot people. of death sticks. Okay. You ever realize how you get so mad when I cut you off? You were making really obnoxious noises. I was continuing my thought I already had going. What did I, what was I saying that was obnoxious? I was trying to when make a you, point. No, when you're making the klaxon over when I was talking. Oh, that's different. That's when I was upset. I'm saying that George is already in that stratosphere of, I don't think he even, not that he's bad with money, but he, I think that he doesn't, it doesn't affect him one way or the other to have the $4 billion or not. Does that make sense? Besides leaving $4 billion behind when he dies, like, I don't think that... It's not going... He's not the kind of guy that... He's been wearing the same plaid shirt in Air Monarchs since 1977. Yeah, I mean, you can be down to earth and still appreciate owning $4 billion. Yes. I'm just saying, I don't think... I don't know. He still gets the Diet Coke and the, you know, the super walk at the yeah, I mean, airport. Bill Gates still drives, like, used cars, but he likes the billies. He donated it to education reform. All $4 billion All of it. $4 billion. Told you. That makes me even more sad because at least if he was making making off with the four billion, I'd be like, "Get him, Georgie! Tell him those toxic fans." But he gave away the four billion dollars to an educational system that will never be fixed. It doesn't matter what we do, anyways. So I think he would have done seven, eight, and nine, and I think that his idea was like, I think he didn't do seven, eight, and nine because it was going to be even more outlandish than one, two, and three were because he was talking about. We were going to get down into the atoms and the midichlorians and the breakdown of what the force is and how it works. And, like, first of all, I would have been there for I it. I would have been feasting on that. I would have been there for it. Because the two seconds that he's like, why don't we just let's bring, let's bring the ghost of Qui Gon into Clone Wars for half a second? We were all like, ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, imagine nine hours of that. Anyways, so. Back to Kanja Club. 
So, yeah. So um, as the as the universe expanded and the stories expanded, we've gotten to see more and more things. Yeah. And so uh, in 1991, Timothy Zahn releases a little book I like to call Heir to the Empire. And in Heir to the Empire, you find out that after Jabba the Hutt dies, because by the time this has all happened, Jabba's really like the lone free ranger of crime syndicates. That's two weeks in a row that I've made a chicken run chicken joke. Run. Um, but Jabba the Hutt, you got to realize that... Did you ever get that it's a joke about free-range chicken? Yes. Okay. Um, I think that's really funny. When you look at the timeline of everything, um, by 1991, right outside of universe... Zizor and the Black Sun did not exist yet. Mm-hmm. So all we know is that Jabba the Hutt is the number one crime lord in the galaxy, and that's all we know. Yeah. And so there's this giant vacuum, and so Timothy Zahn, in his book, writes about a man named Talon Card. Yeah. And Talon cool Card guy. has, yes, he has the Smuggler's Alliance. And he, even though he's technically a smuggler and not a crime lord, occupies most of the vacuum that Jabba leaves behind. Now, the reason we're not going to focus on him today is because... He really is a greater good kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's a smuggler. And Puss in Boots. Yeah, he's Puss in Boots for Star Wars. <laughs> so 1996 brings us... This is Star Wars' first multimedia event. The Song of the Shabu. That's for all my VeggieTales fans out there. Um, no, it's their first multimedia, multi-platform. Think... Um, Kind of like how they're doing with the High Republic, where it's like books, comics, that sort of thing. But imagine on an even grander scale, where it's books, comics, role-playing games, toys, video games. Yeah. It's everything but a movie. And that was Shadows of the Empire. And the reason it's called Shadows of the Empire is because there's a crime syndicate called Black Sun that is working and growing and basically nearly as large as all the Empire, as far as control goes. And they're doing it all... In the shadows of the empire, and so, and that is the first uh, time that we really get an idea of the crime syndicate world in depth from Star Wars. And so, uh, that's I thought it's called Shadows of the Empire because it was like the remnants of the empire. Like, no, these are just the shadows, shadows of the empire takes place between episodes five and six. And so, um, okay. yeah, makes sense. Yep. And so, Prince Shishor. What am I thinking of? What's the second book in the original Thrawn trilogy? Dark Force Rising. Oh. Shadows of the Empire is based. There's the main character. So there's things going on with Han Leia and all I those guys. Nobody cares. Again. Um, they're still good. <laughs> um, but you have Shadows of the Empire. So it's Black Sun. And it's run by Prince Caesar, who is a falling. Um, but he is also one of Palpatine's lead advisors. And Palpatine knows. But Caesar doesn't think that Palpatine knows that he's also the head of Black Sun. Right. And obviously Palpatine is freaking everything. But um, so it's really crazy and we'll get more into that depth later. But that really opened up the world of crime syndicates. And I think authors and writers from then were thinking, why don't we see more of real world what's going on in the nitty gritty of Star Wars versus just you got Luke and you got Han, you got Leia, you got Vader. That's we're seeing we're focusing on four main people throughout the original trilogy. There are other main characters, but those are your four main characters. Hmm. Vader, Han, Luke, Leia and... There's multi-worlds. We visit how many worlds in the original trilogy? Like six or eight? Yeah. So we're talking upwards of 50 billion people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's one of the coolest aspects of Star Wars is when it does inspect the everyday lives. You know, even inside yes. the Clone Wars where you see 
how the war affects common people and how it affects different types of economies and different types of lifestyles. Or even how does it affect a clone trooper? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because in episode two, it's By like, the way, yes, except, sir, right away, sir. Excepting the middle three episodes, the latest season of Clone Wars, those those common people sucked. Oh, freaking, I can't remember their name, the twins or the girls, whatever, sisters. sisters. Um, so we'll kind of walk through prequel, original, sequel era and kind of break down the, uh, the syndicates. Um, so we'll put this picture in the video, um, but there's a picture from the comic uh, Darth Maul. It's just called Darth Maul. And uh, it's basically his story leading up to the Phantom Menace. And he actually works together with Aura Singh and Cad Bane and some other cool bounty hunter characters because there's a Jedi Padawan that's for auction on the black market. And so his thing is, I don't have money, but I really want to be tested against a Jedi. So it turns out this he ends up rescuing and breaking out this Jedi Padawan just so they can fight and defeat them. So that's a pretty cool story. It's pretty mall. So um, in uh, I think this is leading up to part three. It's the very end of part two of this uh, comic series. Um, there's this meeting where all the crime syndicates are meeting because they're all going to vote on, you know, not vote, but uh, bid. bid on this Jedi that's up for sale. And so sorry for using my phone, but I'm going to look at this picture. I print our notes from the notes app on my Mac, and my options are use a pound of ink per picture or have thumbnails that are blurry and I can't see. Um, but you'll be able to see the picture in the video. We'll put it up there for a good while. Um, but the the basically all the main crime syndicates or underworld people are are represented in this picture. Do these guys look kind of like medical droids to you? They they look like medical droids, but those are um, they're kind of like those Magna Guard droids. Yeah, but they look kind of like you know the from a long from, distance from because Empire. they have that yeah, two one B medical droid. Yeah, shout out skeleton astronaut favorite droid. Um, so uh, I guess going left to right in this picture, you have these Constable Zuvio looking guys. I don't really know what they're doing there, but they look like bad people. These are all bad people in this room, but I yeah. don't know what they're doing there. The Kazuyo, I believe, are the name of that species. And then next to them, you have the Trandoshans. And the Trandoshans as a species are kind of grimy, but as a group, they also are expert slave traders. And they specialize in Wookiees because they already don't like them. So it's like, I could also make some money slave trading my enemies. Um, but they're obviously seeing the reward in the concept of um, trading... Yeah. A Jedi Padawan. Well, and they... They have to know that they have no cash compared to some of the people in this room, right? When they... The other thing is the that... The Trandoshans? That they already kidnap people just to hunt them. So right. So they've kind of refined the process. Right, right. Yeah, so we could just buy this person just to hunt them. Yeah. Just for funsies. And, of course, they could put the head on their, that wall. That is a cool concept, I've got to say. Yeah, I, I am... Like ninety eight percent sure they stole it from the old short story, the most dangerous game, mm. which was also a hilarious movie uh, unintentionally. I think it was made in like the nineteen twenties, so anything done media wise in the nineteen twenties was absolutely laughable. We were watching Twenty Thousand Leagues Under uh, the Sea. Hey, the effects and in the that effects movie in that movie were, were pretty were pr good. Pretty good. Hey, as as somebody as a kid, a I was now, like, yeah. Somebody's who captured this squid for this the, movie? The animatronic squid was very. Realistic. I was impressed. I was impressed. Um, okay, so you've got the Trandoshans there, and then just to the right of those folks, you have a bunch of Weakways, and I'm guessing that that's Hondo's group because he has kind of those 
iconic glasses that Hondo oh, yeah, wears. That's Hondo for sure. Um, he's got a little uh, the hat. He's got the little hat, and a, a, again, the, those glasses are very, very. Looks like a troglobite shell. Iconic, yeah. Um, and then in the middle of the picture, there you have the Pikes, and the Pikes are a huge syndicate. They've been around for a while. Um, and they are basically the main source of spice in the galaxy. Um, in the very background, you have the Black Shun, which is very cool. I really, really love that they were the first crime syndicate and they haven't been written off. Like, they've mm. made an appearance in, in almost every media since then. What is the difference between uh, the Pike Syndicate and the species that we see in Solo? Because I know for myself, they look very similar. But I know they're not the same. They are the pikes. You've told me multiple times it's not the pikes. No, the ones that they get spice from on Kessel? No, 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 no. The ones that Han's in trouble with on uh, Oh, okay, okay, Corellia. okay. So, um, oh, that's a whole other... That's not necessarily... Well, I guess it is kind of a syndicate. Um, so those are, I believe, called Grindelids. And they are actually a species of worm. And so... Worm-ridden filth. There you have it, There you folks. go. Um, the white worm, worm gang, that's what Moloch is a part of. Okay. And so he looks like a pike because of the headdress. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, whenever his when they're underground and his face mask comes back, his face is, is much, much different than a pike's naturally is. Um, so the pikes here look much more like the pikes in the Clone Wars. And then in Solo, you see the pikes on Kessel, and they're much more in case. And I think that's because on Kessel, the conditions there are harmful to their bodies. So they're, mm-hmm. you have the Quay Tolsite character. Um, and so the pikes um, are different from the White Worm gang. One, because the pikes are green and they're a different species. And the White Worms are, like I said, I think the species is called Grindelids. The main character being Moloch that you know. He's the one that chases him down to the airport. Also, the white worms get much larger. Like, do you remember whenever he... Yeah, they had kind of like the Genosian mother sort of thing. Yeah, Lady Proxima. And she's the one that lives underwater. And so underwater and out of the view of sunlight is kind of their natural habitat. The pikes can live in the sun. But for a Grindelid to be exposed to the sun, it burns their skin like a freaking vampire. Um, so in the very back, you have the Black Sun, and then to the right there, you have Gracchus the Hut. Uh, we talked about him a little bit in our, uh, Slimy Pieces of Worm-Ridden Filth episode, and so he's there to bid, and Gracchus is, uh, kind of on the scene all the way before episode one, because this is in the Maul comic before The Phantom Menace, and he deals with Luke in the, uh, original trilogy comics, the, the, uh, official Star Wars line, and then he actually deals with Poe Dameron in the sequel trilogy comics. And so Gracchus is, of course, they live hundreds of years, but he's still in the picture. He hasn't been killed yet that we know of. So where we leave him in the Poe Dameron comics, Gracchus is still alive. Not as in good of shape as he is here, but still alive, kicking. Well, he's kind of kicking. He's sliding. Um, Okay, and then you have what's called the Mugens. And the Mugans are right there in front of Gracchus the Hut, and they have kind of the Egyptian, the pharaoh-like headdress. Mm-hmm. And you you meet them first in the Clone Wars, and they specialize in spice and um, slave trading as well. Yeah, you see so they're them pretty slimy. Uh, on Mandalore. They're bribing the docking official to bring yeah. in their illegal contraband. 
um, and there's some sort of chemical solvent that essentially allows them to use uh, like the same amount of sweetener for the soft drinks or something right for further and it's very harmful right it's kind of like you have to get into actual drugs you know you have pure cocaine and then you have crack which is cocaine but it's mixed with like you know, baking soda or other things like that. So it makes the there drug... Go, guys. Yep, there you go. Drug, drug it makes the drug go, you know, last longer, so you get more money per kilo. Um, Always with the drug talk. Sorry, we're talking about the syndicates. I'm, I'm joking about your so, 18 weeks of heroin jokes. Let me have this. I was about to make a heroin reference, but you beat me to it. Um, and so, yeah, so the, you have the, the Mugans who are trying to make a quick buck by, you know... I can't remember the, the name of that. What do you call that? Cutting, I guess, is when you, like... You know, do that. Um, and so this is these are the main syndicates that are around during the prequels and the Clone Wars era. Now, they, by the end of Clone Wars, you have what's called the Shadow Collective. So tell me a little bit about the Shadow Collective because I've been talking for a hot minute. The Shadow Collective is a pretty cool idea, and I think it's a really... It's just a cool way to pull together the idea of the darker sides of the galaxy as well as what Maul has going on. Because up until, what, season... What, season three, Maul made his reappearance? Or was it later? Uh, I want to say... F- I want to say four. four. I want to say five. Four or five. But I can't remember what was significant. Something se- significant happened in season three. Anyway, um, but for a while. And up until that point, from the Phantom Menace to whenever that was, you know, in the early 2010s, uh, Maul was dead. And so they wanted to reinvent what he was doing and kind of bring him up to speed and show that he was still an influential character in the galaxy at the same time. You know, he has to have people to manipulate. He's not Palpatine where he has a clone army. He's not uh, the Trade Federation or the Confederation of Independent Systems. Uh, right. He, you know, he has to kind of get down in the muck with the the common people that he can manipulate that are still somewhat powerful and influential. And so the Shadow Collective is a grouping of uh, Pike Syndicate, Black Sun, and uh, the Death Watch. Mm-hmm. What, there was the third one? Was there another one? Or is it just those three? So you have... Um, he does influence the Huts for a very, very short time. Oh, yeah, that goes sideways quick. Um, but the uh, Huts... Shout out to my boy, Embo, holding it down for the Huts. Right. And the thing is, the Huts are like, you know, that that's a picture of the Huts. Yeah. Is, we're not to be trifled with. Yeah, they did not enjoy the idea of being strong-armed. Um, but, so by the end of that, um, by the end of Season 7, right before the Seizure of Mandalore, he still has the Pikes, he has the Black Sun, he's in charge of Death Watch, which is... More of a terrorist group than a crime thing. Yeah, they're not. And a then crime you have the the, the, the surprise are. that took place was the addition of Crimson Dawn because at the very end of season seven, right before the siege starts, he's telling his crime leaders go underground and wait for me mm-hmm. because we're going to outlast the siege of Mandalore. Basically, before that's on the Mandalorians, he's about to pull out of Mandalore. He doesn't care. And he's going to grab, he says, let's grab a little bit of power while there's this vacuum. Yeah. And so he's telling the Black Sun, the Pikes, and then you see a younger animated version of Dryden Voss, who's the main, the big bad from Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Um, and so uh, when Maul goes into hiding after escaping during Order 66, it seems like the Shadow Collective is disbanded, and you basically lose hold that we know of. He loses hold of the Black Sun and the Pikes, but he keeps hold of Crimson Dawn. And maybe yeah. that's where he lives. Maybe he goes and he kind of just shacks up with Dryden Voss. 
It seems like he definitely goes back into the shadows after he goes Order to Dathomir. 66. It seems like yeah, he he definitely pulls himself out of the picture at least in the visible sense because mm-hmm. he was already kind of running things from behind the scenes. Even uh, uh, I don't even think Ahsoka realized he was working with the Shadow Collective up until you know right up until the Siege of Mandalore when right um, she knows he's with the Mandalorians. That's all he knows, and so. Um, I think he feels like his hand was a little bit too revealed, especially now that Palpatine's in basically absolute power and he needed to regroup. Well, I think that maybe... Because he'd already been confronted by Palpatine once at this point. Right. You know what I mean? I think that the Jedi knew he was running... Well, the Jedi don't matter anymore. I know, I'm just saying, I think Ahsoka may have known at least some of the depth. She seemed to be pretty surprised when she saw him. Because... Well, I think they know... I mean, Bo Katan tells them Maul's here with the Mandalorians. We need your help. Fair enough. But, but I yeah. think that Yoda and Obi Wan and Anakin and them knew oh, for sure. that Maul was at the head of the Shadow Collective. Yeah. So maybe Obi Wan for sure. He was on maybe the Ahsoka did know because she, that was some of the time that she was gone. Yeah. And that could be main, the main surprise that he has so much surprise. of his disposal. surprise. Um, so that's kind of the end of the Clone Wars era of what we know. You have that in between. In Solo, where he's in charge of Crimson Dawn, but we don't know how much Crimson Dawn owns. Mm-hmm. In Solo, Dryden Foss says that they have a shaky agreement or a shaky alliance with the Pikes. Yeah. So we know the Pikes aren't in the picture. Well, and what's interesting is that most, for the most part, um, I think the Black Sun kind of run on blackmail. You know what I mean? That's kind of their thing. Black Sun blackmail. Uh, and I know the Pikes are all about the spice. What's interesting is that. Uh, Crimson Dawn seems to trade in energy. You know what I mean? They're all about that coaxium. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind There's of a unique different... concept as far as crime syndicates go. Yeah. I wonder... We don't know enough about coaxium, but I wonder if you could weaponize it. I mean, you could turn it into a bomb, obviously. I think it's just... If you can give, like, a black market source of fuel, you know what I mean? You can yeah, kind of have could this... run stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, moving on from the prequels into the original trilogy... Maul's control of the Shadow Collective, like I said, he's still there, but we don't hear from Black Sun. He's let go of a lot of it, and he's running from behind, behind, behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. Mm -hmm. But we know that he's still large and in charge, because Dryden Voss says, you know what'll happen next time if we fail. Right. And at the time, you're thinking, you know, he has a boss. Yeah. We have no clue who it is. has a boss. But at the end, it's Maul, and you're like, well, no wonder he's afraid. Yeah, I would be. Um, And so... The uh, the newest addition to the Syndicate fam is actually a group called uh, the Haxian uh, Brood, which is from Jedi Fallen Order. So I thought since you have played that game, you could kind of tell us a little bit about the Haxian Brood. Yeah, they don't appear to have a, like a really big backstory. You mm-hmm. just know that... Yeah, they're very new. Yeah. But you can tell from just the little research I did, it seems like their reach across the galaxy is pretty expansive. Yeah, and they seem to specialize in combat um, mm. because they have all these refined techniques. Unlike the Pikes or the Black Sun, um, each of them that you fight seems to be kind of specialized. You know, some of them have a jetpack or some of them have, you know, a special, like, radial stun grenade. You know, just random stuff. That... And they have droids that they've, like, altered and changed to do combat as well. Yeah, I think, but that's not super unusual especially since the concept of ig units came right out. right um, but it's interesting because you have the igs who are made to do battle or a battle right. droid or whatever droidica but then you also have some of these droids that are kind of like regular 
regular functioning droids, droids, and then they've been altered yeah. to do war. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's really not a whole lot talked about. Mm-hmm. And Adam, have you played Fallen Order? Mm-hmm. There's like not a lot. Not a they, lot. they just kind of show up when you're on uh, one of the planets and they just try to kidnap you. Yeah. I think they've just been kind of hired by they, the Empire. Um, the research I was looking through, I don't play that many video games, obviously. So for those of you at home, sorry to disappoint. Um, I would love to, I just don't have time. But isn't he on a planet where there's like a fighting ring going on, a gladiatorial type of thing? So that's when he's kidnapped by the Haxian Brood. And they own that fighting system. Uh, it seems like there's a gladiatorial thing going on. So that's kind of where they make their money. I don't know if they own it, but they're definitely affiliated with And when you get rescued, it kind of crashes their party. Well, you, you break out. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, I think there's, I, I don't know, it's been eight months since I played that mission, but there's something that happens and you're able to break out. They give you your lightsaber so that you can fight in the arena. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a Jedi with a lightsaber, you're going to make your way out in video games. Right. I think the same thing happened in Force Unleashed 2. Dude, Force Unleashed really, 2 was, really was really short, but there was that raw scene where you were like, there's that one animal that like dwarfs a rancor but it looks just like a rancor basically yeah, there's uh that and there's that concept and the nimoidian the, in charge is like this chunky nimoidian he's like bah, 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 you know? and then there's the whole gladiatorial concept in clone wars yeah and in geonosis so it's kind of not a new new thing right so basically yeah. you break out of there and a haxian brood is basically just ticked off of you for kind of destroying that the the money maker and they're basically um the review i read is like they're not really a main antagonist obviously but they're just a pain in the butt because they they'll are, randomly show they'll up. They'll just appear. They'll just appear. Yeah, it's very. It makes you feel like Han Solo. You know, you can't go near a civilized can't go planet. Um, and so by the, Haxian brood. the main antagonist, syndicate, crime, mafia, whatever you want to call it, of the original trilogy, we're blending legends and canon here. But who cares? It's all real to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the Black Sun? Yeah. And the Black Sun is just really cool. I remember growing up. You know, I was born in 1993. So in 96, obviously, like... Go get him. You know, <laughs> here's my social. Um, so in 96, obviously, I wasn't old enough to know anything. But as I got older and started liking Star Wars, Shadows of the Empire was still very big. Yeah. And so that was some of my first Star Wars. Like, some of my first comic books was, oh, this is this is part of the story. This mm-hmm. is Shadows of the Empire. And um, so it's interesting because Prince Caesar, it was like, okay... The way that Tarkin and Vader coexist is real nice, um, but at the end of the day, especially when A New Hope is gone, it's there's really no triangle with Imperial rule. It's like there's the Emperor, and then in A New Hope, it's kind of like there's that part where Tarkin's like, Vader, release him, you know? Yeah. And and as we're older, it's kind of like, well, yeah, he's on the Death Star. It's kind of like he's on he's in the command of his ship because yeah. it still counts as a ship, kind of. Um, but there's not that... There's not that third piece of the triangle. You know, there's not... It's Emperor, then Vader, and then it disperses out. But in Shadows of the Empire, it shows you that Zizor is, in every way, shape, and form, Vader's equal. He doesn't have the Force. He's not, you know, an amazing combatant. But you have the Emperor, and it's kind of like the Emperor does this. He's always done this. Canon, Legends, everything. He will get the best results out of you by pitting you against your... Right. Coworker. Right. And so it He's would the be, master of that. you know, Zizor would be like, well, I drew you this, my emperor. What do you think about this? I bet you Vader didn't draw you anything today. And the emperor would go, indeed, he did not. Lord Vader, what do you think of this? And Vader's like, 
I am painting right now, my master. Like, he's pitting them against one another. And Zizor doesn't understand this, but Palpatine is using Black Sun Mm -hmm. to fuel some of the fire so that the Empire is needed. And it's just, it's Palpatine at his prime. But it's the introduction of Black Sun. And really, I think that Zizor could have had Vader killed. I think that... Even if Vader is Vader, if you turn an entire Black Sun onto him... It's a hot take, bro. It is a hot take, but... He's surrounded by nothing but fear and death. Pride, I know. Pride got the better of him. And so there's this... Excuse me. There's this moment in Shadows of the Empire where your main protagonist... At this point, Han isn't there because he's in Carbonite. Mm -hmm. Okay? So you have Luke. You have Han. I'm sorry. You have Luke. You have Leia. You have Chewbacca. You have Lando. And then there's a new character called uh, Dash Rendar. And that's neither here nor there. Um, but and we'll see how that turned out for him. <laughs> so, a la his non-appearance in Jedi. They're, uh, they're, I know, they're attacking uh, Zizor's palace. Mm-hmm. And so Zizor's pissed. He's super upset. And he basically goes to, uh, he's like, you know, kill these, these rebels. They're attacking me, this and this and this. They're part of the Rebel Alliance. And here's the mistake, okay? So as he's communicating from his castle or house or whatever to the Skyhook, which is basically like a cell phone tower to send a message, he says Skywalker's with them. And so the Emperor is away at Endor overseeing things or something like that, and he leaves Vader in charge on Coruscant. And when Vader hears radio waves that Zizor is trying to kill a young boy named Skywalker, Vader is like, hey, 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 hey. What the freak is going on around here? You killing a kid named Skywalker? And they hate each other already. Mm -hmm. But he tells... He's in charge of Coruscant. So Vader says, Hey, basically, I'm in charge while the boss is away. You need to call off your dogs. And Zizor never responds. And so um, Vader has his entire... His entire state murked from the sky. From the Star Destroyer. And so... That's the end of Zizor. And for years, there's like rumors of him coming back, but... Yeah. never happened. One of the cool things about falling... Did I mention Scoundrels on the cast or just when we were talking about it before? Uh, no, before. Okay. Uh, so, in Scoundrels, it kind of revolves around the Pike Syndicate as well. Or, sorry, the Black Sun as well. Yep. Um, where Han is hired by a uh, an unknown to <laughs> procure, you know, some things that have been stolen... And essentially, they find out that Black Sun is the ones who are kind of operating things. Right. And uh, you find out something kind of cool about the falling that you don't really see in Clone Wars. Um, and I guess it's technically not canon anymore, but uh, the idea that they can use pheromones to influence other sentient beings. Right. You kind of see that with uh, Leia has a real hard time. And I think she, the only reason she's able to resist is that she is Force-sensitive. Right. But... Um, yeah, it's just kind of a cool concept that even though they're non-force users, they have a way of influencing the minds of mm-hmm. others, and that's why they're kind of elitist within their own yeah, species. I would say that's one of the reasons that they're able to do so much in the galaxy right. is because as a species, yeah. they can influence you. Yeah. And so, it seems like, and then from a distance, now they have all this cash yeah. to work with. It seems kind of like they're more like mutants, where as a species, they're a little bit more reclusive in general. Because I remember whenever mm-hmm. they would see a falling, they're like, "Oh my god, what's a falling doing here?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, was, it wasn't something that it, you know you see humans everywhere. You mm-hmm. see, uh, and they're they're you know, a, they're a humanoid species, a species. So especially in the face, they look like humans, but they're kind of a pale green color. They're also reptilian. They're so reptilian, so they they're very like. And they're very bony looking, 
and uh, they seem to be tall. They seem to be kind of large. So they walk in, and it's kind of like whenever you know you're you're a kid and your principal walks in the office. Like you know that they're in charge. You know that they're rich. You know that they're powerful. They can literally make. Turns you, out they're not rich. They can they can make you feel fear because they can release a pheromone without you right. even knowing it. And so there's just they're a very domineering species, and I think that's part of the reason that Vader hates Zizor so much, is because he walks into the room and he's getting the same feeling out of everyone, whether you know cheating or not, yeah. you know by hook or by crook. Everybody's like, oh my god, there's Vader, and oh my god, there's also Zizor, and Vader really hates that because he's mm-hmm. earned his his menace, you yeah. know. So it's really interesting. Yeah. So. Was that all you were going to say about scoundrels? Yeah, that's all I wanted to talk mm. about. They're in that book. Yeah. I, you also learn a little bit about how Black Sun is tied into the Empire, you know, kind of at the top. You also learn about how a lot of their power is gained from, like, very covert blackmail files that they've kind of got, you know, a hand in everybody's pie yeah. because they've got dirt on everybody. Yeah, basically, um, there's a uh, there's an old trilogy of books called The Bounty Hunter Wars by K.W. Jeter, and they are... They're nostalgic to read, but as far as story goes, it does not hold up at all against new Star Wars. Um, but Zizor having blackmail on pretty much freaking everyone is a huge part of the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're a huge they're a huge portion, and we really don't see anything from them in this in you know past original trilogy. Mm-hmm. But we have almost no content past there. Yeah. You know, you have the sequel trilogy, and then you have Resistance, which is a cartoon between episodes. Eight and nine, I want to say, um, or seven and eight between seven and eight, yeah. But there's that's pretty much it. There's a couple of comics about Poe and things like that, but nothing. There's no depth for there really. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the sequel trilogy, the two main syndicates you have Kanja Club or Kanja Club, and then you have the Guavian Death Gang, and it's kind of interesting because uh, as we wrap this up, they're kind yeah. of they're really rivals yeah what's kind of and funny they lay down is that their arms to kick han solo's butt is that everybody associates the scottish guy with kanja club because he's the one that says it but he's actually guavian death game he's guavian pretty yeah. funny so when yeah they're like you know i i didn't talk to kanja club and he's like tell that to kanja club he's not part of kanja club yeah he is the leader um tasu leech is the leader of kanja club and um Frickin' Frick. What's that guy's name? Balatik, maybe? Anyways, he's the leader of the Guavian Death Gang. I think that's right. Balatik. Anyways. His name's Scotty. Um, but yeah, he's basically... Um, it's like every Scott from the beginning of time. Scotty McGregor. Let's see. Um, so, kind of break down Kanja Club for us, and I'll handle Guavians. I'll read what you got here, because... Yeah, go for uh, it. All, all things being... Equal. I'm not a Kanja Club expert. So uh, it says a rival game of the Guavian Death Ball Game. Tick. I was right. Which we already knew. Uh, but while the Guavians are cold and technologically adept, the Kanja Clubbers are street fighters, brawlers with improvised tactics and wielding a hodgepodge of blasters, knives, and clubs. The group's wild style reflects their origins as renegade slaves of the huts. That's so, directly from StarWars.com. So, so you know it's you the can, real deal. You can trust it. Um, yeah, so Kanja Club is kind of more of a... Uh, they're just reckless... And uh, and it's funny because they work hand in hand with the Guavians, but the Guavians are much more organized. Um, they are so organized that you can't be in the club. I think Balotix, the leader, so he can do this, but you cannot be part of the gang if you do not have some type of cybernetic enhancement. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, when you look at 
the Guavians in The Force Awakens, Episode 7, they have those red helmets mm-hmm. with kind of the, looks like a freaking... Yeah, it looks kind of like Zero from yeah. Uh, Borderlands. Yeah, exactly. You have that freaking... Uh, what, what the crap do you call someone with one eye? Cyclops. Jeez. A Cyclops-looking red thing there. And that's not just a helmet. They've actually been modified. That's like a... I don't know. It's it's, it's an interesting... It's it's Their body has been changed and enhanced. Mm. And so it's very interesting. Guavians are kind of like the black market version of Death Troopers. Um, there's well, a lot of there's about. a lot of rumors and stories and myths surrounding the Death Trooper project, where every single one of them is yeah. six six or taller. Every single one of them, you know, they have this yeah. coded voice. They have all By these the way, things. In, th- in Thrawn trees, and it is confirmed that they're all genetically modified in some way, right. which is freaking sick. And Thrawn does classic, or Zon does classic Zon, where it's like, I'll tell you a little bit, but I don't want to get my feet too wet because maybe I'll do a whole book about it. Yeah. Um, but he talks about there is genetic modification. Yeah, but when it does is, drop. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I would totally read a Timothy Zahn oh, yeah. book about the Death Trooper Project. Um, but the Guavians, they undergo cybernetic augmentation. Again, this, this is also from StarWars.com. Uh, with a mechanical reservoir, reservoir and pump injecting chemicals into their bloodstreams to enhance speed and aggression. They are completely silent in battle, communicating via high-frequency data streams. So the way they hear, like, when the death troopers are talking to each other, first of all, it's funny that it's to help us know that they're talking. But in in world, in Star Wars, there would be no need for a vocoder. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they just have one signal from helmet to helmet and one signal to talk basic or English or whatever language to the person outside of their helmet? Yeah. If they're talking to a regular person. But the same way that they have that coded Maybe speech to one another. A lot of the Empire does stuff. Yeah, that's true. For mind games. That's true. They are called stormtroopers after all. Um, but there's a really cool, uh, I want to say this is a VR Galaxy's Edge game that's coming out. And you see, uh, there's a picture here uh, that we'll put in the video from Entertainment Weekly. It's a first look at this game. Uh, but it's cool because all the Guavians we had seen had either been Scottish guy, Balatik, or the Guavians themselves with just the all red outfit. Mm-hmm. But here you actually have a Quarren here in the foreground and a Trandoshan in the background um, who are part of the Guavian Death Gang. Now what stinks sometimes about Star Wars art is that maybe the artist just thinks they get a red jumpsuit. I don't necessarily see anything that's changed or modified on this picture. Um, but it's a cool concept. But they could they could have something injecting from the suit itself. Right. Um, but yeah, so Kanja Club well, and, cybernetic and the enhancements Guavians, don't necessarily need to be physically visible. Right, you know right. I mean? It could like, be a chip yeah, or something like or that. Or like a, a fake eye with a heads up on it. You know, right, right, like right. That. Exactly. So, uh, you know, obviously like the huts are probably still around. We know about that. Like stuff like that is still going on. But the two new groups that have been introduced, I yeah. don't think the Black Sun just wasted away over 30 years. Which is pretty funny because uh, Han's still doing the deals. Right. He's even, still making terrible even, deals. Even with... And Chewbacca, poor guy, yeah. is just sitting on the couch while he's making terrible deals. Poor Chewbacca. He's always getting dragged about. Even in Scoundrels, Han just took a little bit out of Chewie's pile. Right. Um, so those are the syndicates of Star Wars. I'm sure we missed a few because there's a million books and things like that, but those are the main ones. Um, if you like this video, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, share it, and, um, leave a comment if you have a question or a comment below. And also something that I'd like to get up is if you could leave us a five-star review with a actual written review on iTunes. If you do that for us, we'll read your review on the next episode. How about that?
What we have deal. one written review. It says, uh, great show with great guys yes. or something like that. And that's from like February. So we're behind. We have like a handful of five-star reviews, but we only have one written review. So if you would go on Apple Podcasts, if you would leave us a five-star review and write something, we'd love to read it online, on air. If you could be part of one syndicate, what would it be? I don't know. That was really underwhelming. If I had, diplomatic. Would you say huts? huts? If I had to choose, I, I think, wouldn't be part of the huts because if you're not a hut, you are shafted. Yeah. You don't matter. Well, yeah, I'm saying if there's also, a specific... There's, there's if, no room for promotion. If there's a specific species, like if you're in the huts, you're a hut. That's what he's saying. What would you be? I'd be part of the IBC, bro. The banking claim? Yeah. That's not a syndicate. <laughs> it I, is, though. I think I would it be... It is. I think I would be a part of uh, the Black Sun. Because you don't have to get your hands that dirty. It's basically all informational. And you have pheromones. You're strong. Yeah, but at cool the same looking. time, if you're sitting at the table and you tell Darth Maul no, you all get decapitated all at once. So yeah, That's a fair point. But as a hut, all you have to do is say, take Yeah, the huts do sit there and they're like, <laughs> Baba Dooba, we're not doing nothing. And those freaking Imbo and the crew. I would like to be something a little bit subtler because it feels like... Yeah, Black Sun is super su- su- subtle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I if I could choose, I'm just going to say the IBC is a crime syndicate because they basically are. That's not fair. How You know what? Just like every other bank is. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean, of the things we listed today. Of the things we listed today. Uh, you know what? Let's go with the Guavians because they seem like they're happening. New kids on the block. I like to root for the underdog. Be cool. Yeah. Very, very neat. They're funding zoology. <laughs> they're, doing, they're doing humanitarian work. <laughs> We're trying to make you better. That's funny. You know? Join the Guavians. We'll help your gimp leg. That's so funny. They've got a yeah, spare I could parts be, room I could, right here. I could... Oh, my God. I could immediately be taller. Yeah, if you wanted to. Boom. Yeah. Very cool. The Guavians are like, you're going to make the NBA, but we're going to get 78% of your check. Then you tithe. So, yeah, 12% That's to work with. That's half of the pie. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. And do not forget, may the force be with you. And and remember, the only family you have here is me. I made sure I had the right sound bite this week. I was going to say, good thing. All right, yeah, we'll see yeah. you guys next week.